This is Dispatches from the Frontline, readings from the diary of Sister Nan Ray, who served for four grueling years on the frontline of the battlefields of World War I, read by Geraldine Cook Daphna. Twenty-third of September, Wednesday. It is not much use writing tonight, or my diary will be too melancholy for words. Another patient, Captain B, died tonight. Tetanus again. Of course, I suppose it is what we must expect from gunshot wounds, but it is difficult to grow used to even the thought of it. Did not sleep for more than two hours today so feel hopelessly weary. Up till now I have been busy, but now, 4am, I dare not sit down for long for fear of falling asleep. 24th of September, Thursday. Slept well and went on duty again. The schoolroom's absolutely full to overflowing. Beds so crowded together that there was barely room to pass between. Centre of wards full, full everywhere. About sixteen officers there too. My assistant and confrere, Sister B, she's on with me again. I'm very glad. There are so many really bad cases. Three pneumonias, two of them delirious. An unconscious spine case, two bad head cases, one quite mental, two jaw cases, one of them dying, and a dreadfully smashed arm. A German. Beside them... Eighty other patients and all rather serious injuries. Of course, we never sat down even to write our morning reports. The men made us tea in the early a.m. and we drank it hurriedly, near the soya stove in the cold backyard. It really is quite an interesting sight to see two nurses and two orderlies drinking tea out of enamel mugs by the flickering light of smoky lanterns, rushing back to the wards every few minutes to see that all is well. The party rarely lasts ten minutes. 25th of September, Friday. Came off duty feeling thoroughly tired out, but somehow did not get to sleep very early. However, on duty at 9pm to find many new cases. It seems they have spent the day in receiving and evacuating. Today, people were positively distracted. They hardly knew who they still had in the wards. But this is one of the joys of being a clearing hospital. My worst pneumonia needed much attention, and whilst I was busy with him, the German with the terrible arm had a secondary hemorrhage. We simply walked in gore. Theatre immediately, amputation. Whilst he was in the theatre and the pneumonia was wildly delirious, the worst spine case, quite hopeless, died. I tell you, my diary, we worked some. I and my orderly, the Reverend Dick Shepherd. He is just too splendid for words. The night passed like a flash, and I was amazed when I heard the distant reveille sounding. Such a beautiful, curious blue-green dawn but I felt quite sure that nothing on earth would induce me to go out. Bed, the only desirable thing on earth. Twenty-fifth 
26th of September, Saturday, things not quite as they should be. For a long time there has been some smouldering discontent in the sisters' mess. There has really been much cause. To begin with, judged as trained nurses, I find some of our people singularly inefficient and they have no idea of managing. They fret and fume but don't work properly and so leave too much for others. The menage is not at all satisfactory either. Of course, we are only camping in the house and there is only camp furniture, canvas things. That is quite as it should be. However, it needs a manager, our menage. Our cook does not speak a word of English and our batman no French. So conversation is rather at a standstill. Simmons, our batman, just drifts. Very nicely, I must admit, but he does drift. And he's such a dear. Fairly tumbles over himself to make cocoa for my breakfast, etc. He says he is 19. Looks only about 16 and is very good looking. I sent him out to buy flypapers today and he remembered papier and mouche and so returned in a state of delicious exultation at his success. But, revenons à nos moutons. Let's go back to our sheep. Things happen with the meals that should not. We two night nurses have been a week without hot meat or vegetables and so on. Then the house is very old, water supply always in a state of suspense, so therefore is the cooking. We really have had quite a lot to put up with. And when one has been on duty and going hard for 12 hours or more, one is hardly in a fit condition to put up with neglect indefinitely. Chaque jour. Every day. So we get peevish. When the gas finally glimmered and then expired, and when the water supply failed, and we discovered that there was nothing left to do but pray for rain, as we were not looked after by a water board, only by heaven, well, we all said things. Our camp health inspector came along, and after a few scarcely suppressed heaves, declared the atmosphere was quite unfit for respiration. The sisters must neither sleep nor eat here. So last night, the orderlies worked late in bringing along the sisters' canvas beds, etc., to the Dufresh building, and they were given corners everywhere and anywhere, including the passages of Lady Dudley's quarters. She is away in Paris at present. Then suddenly, she arrived without warning. It seems that breakfast had been laid for the staff in her dining room, and she sent messages to have it removed. She did not wish to be disturbed in the early a.m. So, when breakfast time came around, we were shown into a kind of lumber kitchen. Indignation meeting. We three night nurses, having time on our hands, so to speak, were able to go out and breakfast on rolls and coffee at a neighbouring cafe. It is really rather the last straw. We don't mind roughing it a bit, living in the open and in tents or anything, but... When we are in a house and the room is available, we do not like being turned out and put into the basement. Mac is quite incoherent with rage. However, when we were called this evening, we were told to go to the Grand Hotel for dinner. Went there with the second relay of day nurses at 9pm. It is the best place here. The entrance hall and lounge were filled with officers in uniform and a few women in evening dress. 
We have a small dining room to ourselves and, until further orders, must have all our meals there. Also, most of the day nurses are sleeping there, whilst arrangements are being made for taking another house. Had another busy night. My special pneumonia has been proclaimed as well, a definite typhoid. At 10.30 we received 20 new patients. All but two were stretcher cases. Some work. Two more Germans and an attempted suicide. 27th of September, Sunday. Late off duty. Very tired and determined to go straight to bed. Just after breakfast, when I encountered Madame la Duchesse, as the French people about here call Lady Dudley, and she offered us her car and said we were to go for a good drive. We set out at 10.30, a glorious day and a glorious drive. This crested car, like our own AVH one, is painted with red crosses, flies a red cross flag and is inscribed Australian Voluntary Hospital. We went for miles through the town, past all the sentries and outposts, into the country, the land of patrols, and we were saluted everywhere by civilians as well as by soldiers. It was a delightful drive and the morning was so exquisitely lovely. When we drove into a great pine forest, my very soul drank deep of its sweetness and purity, and I felt enriched and invigorated beyond words. I had not realised how greatly I was longing for that breath of quiet. Indeed, how much I needed it. Returned home at midday, dishevelled and sleepy. Had about four hours sleep. Now it is 2.15am and the place is wonderfully quiet, considering how full up we are. They are snoring in unison, my patients. And now and then one of the Germans shouts some orders to a friend or foe in dreamland. I am desperately sleepy. Can hardly keep my eyes open. If only I could just have half an hour. New orderlies, too. 28th of September, Monday. A wild rush this morning. Most of our patients had to be up, fed and wounds dressed by 9am. Ready to go on board the Asturias. Sudden orders. We just did it. Did not arrive at the Grand for Petit Déjeuner till about 10.15. Garçon very cross. However, had a large meal and to bed by 11.45. Slept fairly well. As there were only about eight patients left in the house and 28 in the annex, we were told to divide the night and relieve one another for time off. Max stayed in bed till 2.30, and then at 3.30, I tucked up for the remainder of the morning. Oh, the joy of it! 29th of September, Tuesday. Meant to have breakfast there, but at 9 o'clock Gabrielle arrived and told me she had the car at 10.30, and that three of them were going in it, but only needed me to complete the party. Dear old sport. It was too irresistible. Up, breakfast at the Grand and out motoring. Something happened to the works. Our chauffeur was obliged to get out and get under. And we viewed the near scene for 20 minutes. A very interesting drive, but not such a beautiful one as the last. To bed at 1.30pm. 
A quiet night in the wards. We relieved one another, each having two hours off, and felt much better. One of my Germans, the gunshot through the jaw German, hemorrhaged at 10.30. And again at 2.30. Facial artery. Thank you for listening to Dispatches from the Frontline. This project was directed by Naomi Edwards, read by Geraldine Cook-Defner. Original music and sound design by Zoltan Fecho, with producing support from Tristan Meacham and voice editing by Alex Defner. The creative team gratefully acknowledges the support of the Victorian government through the Community Support Fund and Public Record Office Victoria and Creative Victoria with Regional Arts Victoria through the Sustaining Creative Workers Initiative supported by all the Queen's men. We would like to thank the Selman family and in particular Meg Selman for allowing us to use Nanray's diary.